I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Paying for college shouldn't be the hardest part of higher education. Hi, it's Rena Ninen, co-host of the Ask Lisa podcast. I recently spoke with U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona about FAFSA, the free application for student aid. Did you know you can apply for financial aid today and you'll get a response within one to three days? Check out our show notes to the link for the full interview on our Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest videos from Lisa and me. That's the Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rena Ninen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 122, how much structure should kids have in the summer? All right, my brother's kids in Texas are out of school. I, we've got a couple more weeks left. Oh my gosh, Lisa, get me off this train. <laughs> I know. I think I've said this before, but I spend all fall trying to get the routines in place for family life. And then as soon as I have them in place, I feel thoroughly oppressed by them. Like I'm like, oh God, these routines are killing me. I want to be done, like, I want to be done with it. I want to be off the clock. You know, I just keep thinking about the summers the past few years and how unpredictable and I have no plans and this and that. This year, everything is structured. I'm like, I need everybody to be in something, doing something because it's just, it, it's spinning. But um, I love that we can now talk about the summer. We got this beautiful letter from a mom kind of asking about sleep and what to do and structure in the summer. I thought this was just beautiful. Let me read this to you. Hello, Lisa. I can't thank you enough for covering such a wide range of topics on your podcast. I truly enjoy listening to all the episodes and have gained so much knowledge from you. I have two girls who are currently 14 and 16 years old, and I understand how valuable and important sleep is. During the school year, the rule is electronics off after 9.30, and they head to their bedrooms to start getting ready for bed, and bedtime is at 10. Because they spend a lot of time on their homework during the week, it always ends up being later, usually closer to 10.30, 10.45. But during the summer, how involved should I be 
with requiring them to go to bed at a certain time? And what expectations should I have for when they get up in the morning? Lastly, once my kids are out of school, any specific recommendations on how to give kids structure within their days so they don't end up sitting around on their electronics all day? Also wondering what you found works best for chores around the house for this age group during the summer. Thanks again. Oh my gosh. Could this not be a better letter to kind of move us into the summer? Our listeners are amazing. Lisa, I want to, I know she talks about teens, but I'd like to go through sort of the different age groups if that's okay with you. When you're talking about bedtime in the summer, what do we need to know? Well, (laughs) it's a tricky one, Rena. This is actually not very easy. One of the problems, and we have this, is actually it's light. It's light late into mm. the evening. You know, and so I think one of the battles, especially with younger kids, is that, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it can still be daylight outside. Mm. And and having them um on board with the idea that they need to be getting into bed can be challenging. So to be a realistic person in this, bedtimes will be later in the summer. And that's okay. That's okay. We can let our hair down a little bit. We can let our kids let our their hair down a little bit in the summer. I don't want people to feel like they need to be, you know, keeping things rigid and tight all through the summer. The big issue is what do they need to be doing in the morning? Where, you know, the other end of the sleep cycle, like does your kid need to be getting up for camp? Does your kid need to be getting up for a job? So let that be a driver. What they are doing during the day should help make decisions about when kids need to go to bed, kind of regardless of age. So presumably with younger kids, hopefully they're able to do something in the summer, whether it's a day camp or they're away to camp where then you don't even have to think about it at all, or whether your community has camps that make or become available. What you want is for a kid who is ready to get up when it's time to get up. And that can be a really good index. If your kid, if you are dragging your kid out of bed, no matter how old they are, to go to their camp or go to their job, they need to go to bed earlier. But the fact that you already have that tension in the morning, the fact that you're getting into it when they're supposed to be getting up, that becomes the the lever that you have. You can say clearly you are not going to bed early enough because we are having these ugly mornings every time. You need to start going to bed earlier. Let's see if that fixes it. So I think that's a way to negotiate it kid by kid, family by family. I want to step back for a second. Just in general, during the school year in general, what's your rule of thumb for kind of toddlers, elementary, middle, and high school for this is when you should go to bed and the sleep issue? So the when they go to bed, to me, is less important than how many hours they need. And so usually you can just walk backwards from when they have to get going in the morning to how many hours they need. And what we know is that preschoolers, you know, kids before age elementary school, usually need somewhere between 11 and 12 hours of sleep. You know, babies obviously need more than that. Elementary school kids need 11 hours of sleep a night. Middle schoolers need 10 hours of sleep a night. And high schoolers should be getting nine hours of sleep a night. Now their summer is the big chance for the high schoolers. That is the (laughs) the time most likely when they're going to be approximating how much sleep they biologically need and deserve. It's so interesting you say 10 hours. Like, I don't think my kids who are one in middle school and almost entering middle school, I don't know that they get 10 hours of sleep a night. What gets in the way? Um, I think for us, we end up by the time they go to bed in fifth and sixth grade, it's like like a little past nine o'clock, which it, it wasn't before. Isn't that mm-hmm. pretty late? Well, what time do they get up? I mean, this is like, let's just do the math. You just okay. always have to do the math. I would say they're up by about 7 a.m. 
that's not too bad, Rena. I mean, really? if they're if they're asleep by nine nine thirty, they're approximating ten hours. Because I've been wanting to get them to bed at like seven thirty because well, I'm tired. And also, we want to watch Formula One, and you know, yes, you gotta you gotta one. get the kids in bed if you want to watch your shows. You know, I still can't believe so, you love Formula oh, One. I love That's it so much. Oh, hidden yeah. Lisa Demore secret. Very few yeah. people know. I love Formula One. Oh, I love my Formula I One. I love it. So, how do we approach them? Right, if we're going back into the summer, you've walked us through the number of hours of sleep they need. Is the summer any different? Should that number change? No, that's, those are the target times. I think what is likely to change is the window in which those are occurring, you know, which gets to something else in this letter, which is like, what are kids supposed to be doing all day? Yes. And, you know, ideally, it's actually two things. One is kids should be able to relax in the summer. And what I do really, you mean by relax? Because my idea of relax is like, go on the hammock and read a good book. That is not their idea of relaxing. You are so right. <laughs> you are so right. Okay, so here's what we have to tease apart, Rena, and this is tricky. Electronics, technology, from how much structure, right? Like these are, they're closely related, but we want to deal with them separately. So here's what I want to propose as a way to try to meet kids in the middle a little bit. And I would say especially for older kids, but this could apply for younger kids as well. They may be coming off of the school year like, oh, don't ask anything of me. Don't give me any structure. Don't tell me when I have to go to bed. Don't tell me when I got to get up. Like, let me just trip around the house, <laughs> right? And I certainly, in my own home, am feeling pretty comfortable saying, sure, why don't you take a week and just do whatever. Do whatever. Watch TV. Chill. And we'll come back to the technology question in a minute. But I, I want parents to know, like the nice thing about summer is like, we got some time here. And so you can have the rules that apply for the first week or two weeks, and then the rules that take over after that. Mm. And so I, I think that one way that we can be good um, partners in the, at the negotiation table, which often, you know, with teenagers, you got to negotiate sometimes, mm -hmm. is to say, sure, take a couple of weeks just cool your heels and then you know we'll come up with a plan after that. All right. So then, the plan after that. Kids should not drip around all summer, right? But and it, again, day by day by day, age by age, it's going to look different. But I find if you let them kind of go off road for a week, it's hard to get them back on road because they like the terrain of of no structure and and four-wheeling it in, in wild territory. It is true. It is true. But I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, Rena. It's like, it's all in how you set it up, right? When we've been talking about technology with younger kids and younger kids asking for a phone, you know, I think so often our advice is like, it's how you set it up, you know, what's allowed, what the expectations are, what they understand, what the rules are. And so I think if you set it up to say, all right, you can have, how much time do you need to drip around to feel like you can, you know, return to a somewhat structured schedule? You know, hopefully you can negotiate a week, maybe two, mm -hmm. and then say, okay, let's get out of our calendar. Okay, your summer schedule will start on this date, but in between now and then, go have fun. Mm. I think you can do it. That's great. And so when you're talking about, so give them that structure, uh, the unstructured period a little bit, that, but no, we're going to come back on. You always say, tell kids where you're going, you know, in the sense of this is our roadmap. But then what about the unstructured days, right? I mean, mm -hmm. some some family, like when I was growing up, I don't know about you, there was no summer camp. My mom worked nights as a nurse. She would come home and sleep in the mornings. We had to be quiet. So we watched 
lots of episodes of Little House on the Prairie and then The Price is Right. We were on TV the whole entire time. She got to sleep. And then she'd take us out somewhere. We do something. That was summer. Yep. No, I same thing. I didn't go to camp. I didn't do day camps. I actually worked for my grandmother. My grandmother was a caterer. I worked in her kitchen. Um, that's what I did as a kid. I can cut a carrot stick like you have never seen, <laughs> Rena. That's a good skill. Yeah, no, I got carrot stick skills. Um, and I watched a huge amount of television, huge, tons. So in terms of the unstructured time now, it's going to be kids wanting to be on their phones. Mm -hmm. If they have phones, they're going to want to be on their phones. And so let's get into that. Mm -hmm. um, the Surgeon General just put out a really useful report, advisory, about digital technology, social media, its impact. Um, the way it gets characterized in the headlines is scary, right? That there, it does address that um, there can be real harms that come with social media. Um, and that is true. The report itself is incredibly practical and useful, and I love it. And one thing I've been thinking about since the report came out is that actually it might be worth it for families to print it out and sit down with their kids and walk through it. You know what? We'll put the Surgeon General's report, his new report, in our show notes. I want to pause for a second, take a quick break, and then I want to ask you on the other side a little bit more about this report, but also about chores, Lisa. What should we also have them doing, and what else should we be thinking about in the summer months? You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, 
I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. Lisa, we were getting a little bit into this new uh, report released by Dr. Vivek Morthy, the Surgeon General. Tell me a little bit about what, what stood out to you in this report. So he and his team go over what we do know, what we don't know, the positives of social media, what we're observing as the negatives. And I would have a parent read the report first before sitting down with their child because it does address some really scary content such as suicide and things like that. So no surprises for anybody um, in terms of I don't want any parent sitting down with a kid and finding that and not expecting that. So look at it on your own in advance. But what I found so helpful about the report is that it really homes in on the two things parents need to be paying attention to. One is, and this is stuff we've talked about so often on this podcast, what are kids looking at, right? The harmful content. And then the other is problematic use. So even if they're not looking at harmful content, if they're looking at puppy dog videos for 10 hours a day, <laughs> that is a problem. Mm. And so what I want parents to be thinking about just in general is exactly what this report outlines, keeping kids away from toxic digital media environments, being aware of the norms and the environments where kids are hanging out, and avoiding problematic use, which means not letting any digital technology get in the way of what we know is essential for healthy development. Sleep, mm -hmm. <laughs> big one, big one, physical activity, in-person interactions, and helping around the house or the community. Okay, so then, Rena, this gets to the question of what should be kids, what should kids be doing all summer? Yeah, because these are all the things the Surgeon General is highlighting that my children do not do in the summer. Okay. okay. So, in terms of what should be made of their days. So you get past that week or two week window where they drip around and just let the school year wash out of them. And then you are into the reality that is summer. All right, the more structure kids can have, the better, bluntly. That might be jobs, that might be volunteer work, that might be camps, that might be working at a camp. And of course, a lot of this is gonna come down to the parents' resources, the parents' ability to support getting kids to and from things. So not every family is going to have equal access to the same kinds of structure. But as much structure as kids can have, I will tell you, it's good for kids to be busy. We don't want them overscheduled, but on balance, it's good for kids to have things to do during the day. Mm. I love that. So have structure, but have a couple of weeks here or there where it's like, okay, you can let your hair down. There's there's no parameters or very limited parameters. And you say that's important. But when it comes to technology, Lisa, it's so hard. Like you and I grew up and we, like the television babysat us, right? Mm -hmm. It is so hard realistically as a parent not to let them kind of hang out on their screens for endless amounts of time. I know it. I know it. And I think that 
it's so hard as a parent to get more and more information about what we should be worrying about with social media and then to try to figure out what does that look like in your house or if your kid is already deeply into a digital world, how do you walk that back, right? How do you get that, you know, kind of back to a place that feels good? So thinking again developmentally with little kids, we've talked a lot on this podcast, set it up carefully. They do not need digital technology for a long time when they do need it. Often all they need is texting to stay in touch with their friends, go very, very slowly by introducing apps. There's a world of difference between 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds on social media versus older kids on social media. So go slow, go slow. Okay, but say you've got an older kid. He's like, no, I'll be hanging out, me and TikTok. That is my summer. Like, that is my plan. For those older kids, I would get the Surgeon General's report. I would sit down with it and say, listen, this isn't just me talking. This is about your health. This is about your mental health. We need to put some parameters around this. What do you propose? So work with your teenager around how this is not going to turn into problematic use, getting in the way of things that really matter for development, and also where they are spending their time and the influence of that on their mood and their mental health. So have that conversation. But I feel like this report does parents such a big favor Mm -hmm. in terms of turning into the neutral third party. Like, you know how- um, Totally. We talk about, you can say to teenagers if they go to parties, like, blame your good behavior on me, right? Like, the Surgeon General has just done that for people. Like, blame your, (laughs) basically saying like, look, here the Surgeon General is saying this. I can't ignore the fact that the person who's in charge of American health is telling us this is a problem. We have to deal with what this report recommends and how are we going to do that as a family? But it, it just makes it, it's not that the parent's being the bad guy. It's that the Surgeon General is laying out the research and giving parents a neutral third party to say, look, we gotta, we gotta take seriously mm. how digital technology can be bad for you. Mm. And having that conversation, I think that and you're right, you know, having a report like this to be able to explain to them, you know, this is what at one point a previous US Surgeon General said cigarettes can be harmful. We learned that and we have a warning now on, on the packet of cigarettes. But here is something the Surgeon General said, and here's why it's important. I love that. Lisa, I want to pivot a little bit um, to chores, because let me tell you, I had such big plans for chores, and they have fallen off the radar. And I don't blame them. I don't want to, I don't even want to cook dinner or do the dishes anymore. I'm done. I don't want to do anybody's laundry. I know, right? And yet, kids have time, and especially kids who have unstru- a lot of unstructured time, they should be helping. And this, you know, that's the fourth thing I always list under like, what should kids be doing instead of social media, digital technology, helping around the house, helping around the community. So what I would say is come up with a list of what you want your kid to do. Make it clear it's not negotiable, but point out what is negotiable. And I think what's often can be negotiable is when in the week or when in the day the chores get done. Because there are some chores like walking the dog, obviously, that are tied to somebody else's schedule, like the dog's. But I think that with especially teenagers, but even tweens and kids, I think if you say, here are the things that need to be done every day, or here are the things I need you to accomplish over the week, when you get them done is up to you. Hmm. So I giving think, them that ability, it's not like sweep the floor after dinner, like you decide when you yeah, do it. Just say this needs to happen before, by, and you can say by this time, you know, and and it may doesn't mean the kid will be like, yes, got it. And then magically by 8 p.m., they'll have done everything they're supposed to do. But start with that idea that, you know, you're going to figure out your day, but these are the things that need to happen before your day closes out. 
And then if your kid's not on it, not doing it, then you can revisit, come back to the table and say, look, this is what we agreed, what's getting in the way. What do you do if you don't pay your kids, you know, you don't give them an allowance for the chores or how do you get them to stick to the chores? You know, there's controversy about whether or not kids should be paid for chores. And a lot of people say no, like mm-hmm. it's just part of being a member of the family. Yeah. And I think that that's a really reasonable place to start, right? If the kid says like, is this how I get my allowance? You say, no, no, no. This is, you are a member of an organization. That organization is our family. We are relying on you to help us make this organization work well. Um, if parents run into friction on that, which they might, I think it's really fair to to tie together my favorite two things, privilege and responsibility. That especially in the summer, kids are going to want more freedom, more autonomy, more room to do as they please. And it is always the case, Rena, in life that following through on our responsibilities tends to give us more privileges, right? Mm. When you and I pay our taxes, we are allowed to stay out of jail. When we, you know, <laughs> um, when we show up at work, we get our paychecks, right? Like yeah. the doing the thing you're supposed to do allows you freedoms in the world. And so parents can, even though they may not seem connected, parents can link up. If you want the privilege of going over to so-and-so's house and playing, you know, outdoor baseball all day, which is great, that comes with you needing to meet your responsibilities at home. Mm-hmm. And if you are at home not meeting your responsibilities and showing me that you've got good judgment and you can stay on top of things, you actually don't get to enjoy privileges because those privileges hinge on my confidence that you can handle that freedom well. Mm-hmm. So link them together. And what I would say is, especially with younger kids or especially with kids with difficulties with executive functioning, keep the choice and the consequence very close together. And what I mean by that is let them have a restart every day. So say that you were like, okay, here are the chores for the day. They need to be done by eight o'clock. And then it's 8.30 and the kid did not do them. Then you can say, all right, today did not go well. Tomorrow you are staying close to home until you get these done and tomorrow's chores. You are not going to go run around in the way that you were hoping to, or you're not going to get to do that fun thing you in the way you were hoping to because he didn't meet your responsibility. And then we'll try again the next day. But I think sometimes when we get frustrated as parents, we're like, that's it. You don't get to do anything for a week. Yes, very and much then, so. Yeah. And then the kid's like, frustrated and the parents frustrated and actually usually can rarely enforce that because it does like usually we walk it back and then we regret it. So keep it small, keep it day by day if you know that your kid may need that. That's so good. Now, can you just give us a sense? Because I think some parents, we don't know what is acceptable chores for age appropriate, I guess, chores. What should we think of for elementary, middle, and high school? Let's start with high school. Because they can do everything, right? (laughs) They can do everything. So high schoolers can babysit a lot, right? Which you might need your high schooler to be keeping an eye on your younger kid and doing it in a friendly and hopefully productive way. Um, High schoolers, I think you could ask a high schooler one or two nights a week to make dinner for the family. Really? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't even know when my kids get into high school, what they would do. I mean, my daughter is good in the kitchen. My son, I don't know. Well, you know, if you can read, you can cook. And so one thing that parents can do is they can say to their high schooler, come up with a grocery list, give it to me before I'm headed to the store, I'll get your stuff, and let's figure out the nights next week where you're making dinner for the family. This is a great thing. And, you know, they're going to go find recipes and instructions in places you and I would never go. 
I think it's important mm-hmm. if you ask this of your kid, let them do it their way. Let them figure it out. So you can certainly do that. Then there's obviously yard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. always yard work. And I would say late middle school and certainly high school kids um, can be making dinner for the family, keeping an eye on younger siblings, and then certainly working in the yard, whatever you've got. Then it gets into questions of like younger middle school and elementary school kids, like what they can reasonably be asked to do. Um, Some kids may be ready to do laundry. Almost all kids can fold laundry, Mm. right? Your first, second, third graders, they can easily fold the laundry. Great point. Great point. Um, I think parents may have very strong preferences. And by that, I mean, I probably have very strong preferences about how much they would like be asked to clean bathrooms, things like that. And it's because I'm so picky about how that gets done. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. I think obviously with younger kids, some question of like, do you want them around the, you know, the cleaning supplies that are necessary? So we need to be old enough to do that well. But laundry is a constant in family life. Vacuumings, sweeping mm-hmm. is a constant mm-hmm. in family mm-hmm. life. Certainly, um, kids who are late elementary, middle school can vacuum and clean no problem. You know, vacuum and sweep no problem. I think the issue really, Rena, and this is my issue, is the parent letting go of how the job gets done and yes. letting the kid learn and um, asking them to do it again if they've done a sloppy job. Um, my mom has always worked. And one thing that I value so much is that she taught me how to work, like really how to work. And she would give me a job and I'd do it part way, and she'd be like, nope, you got to do the 100% job. And she was great and really taught me how to do a 100% job. I think I've used that all my life. I think in the calm of summer, as parents, we have more time to do that kind of teaching. Mm. That's such a great point. I never thought about these moments where you're just too busy during the school year and you have a beat, an extra moment in the summer. What can you impart that could maybe become better behavior for for the um, school year? That's so great. What else are we missing, Lisa? What else do you think parents don't think about as they enter the summer that could be helpful to keep in mind? Well, I do wonder, Rena, if we sort of treat it as a moment of time, a reboot, a shift in schedules, a shift in routines, if there are rules that you wish you'd made about technology, such as it doesn't go in bedrooms or it doesn't go on the second floor of your house, if your house is constructed that way, summer may be a time to uh, try that again and mm-hmm. to say, you know, there's all this information coming out. We're going to make new rules as a family. And you know, we'll do it when the school year ends and we'll start there and we'll see how it feels this summer. But I I think that, you know how people make New Year's resolutions? Yes. I think you can make summer resolutions and, and see if that's a time you could try something that you've been thinking about doing as a parent. I never thought about a reboot and a reboot coming during the summer months. That's such a great idea. Yeah, it's kind of artificial, but I would say go for it. Yeah, I love it. No, I think about my childhood, right? And you're always thinking about how you grew up versus now. And um, it was television and we ate a ton of sugary cereals. Mm. I mean, like Count Chocula, Trix, Lucky Charms. So I don't allow my children to have them. But when they get out of school, we um, often head to Maine in, in the following weeks and they get to each pick out one box of like uber sugary cereals that they eat before sailing camp. I love camp. it. Yeah. I love it. That's such a great idea. And that's such a beautiful example of like, it's summer, we let our hair down, we do different things, but it's also not like unlimited. One box each. Mm -hmm. Choose carefully 
And when the box is gone, the box is gone. And I, I think that that's such a great threading of the needle of both reducing the demands and structures of the school year, but not taking all parameters away. And you give them an inch, they take much more because now they go for the family size boxes. So they insist we go to Walmart so they can get oh, like mm-hmm. the Lucky Charms that's, that's supersized. See, this is the problem with kids. They're smart. They are. You're right. You keep telling us this. They're going to play the angles. They're going to figure it out. You keep telling us this. So what do you have for us for parenting to go? Rena, you know how I'm tired and you're tired, Hmm. right? We come to the end of the summer or the end of the school year just cooked, right? And of course, there's a million things that go on at the end of the school year that just make the calendar that much busier. My parenting to go is I really want the adults, the parents and caregivers, to take good care of themselves this summer, to really remember that a huge part of how we take care of our kids is that we take good care of ourselves, and to model for our kids what healthy leisure looks like. So parents, get your book, get your afternoon nap if you have time, get a show you love and watch it and enjoy it. Show your kids how it's done while taking good care of yourself. That could not be better advice to help kick off the summer months. Thank you, Lisa. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.